Welcome, welcome to the Help Myself Podcast. I am your host, John M. Singletary Sr. I got to put that senior in there because I got a junior. And guess what, party people? He's in school, so it's going to be quiet in here. But we need it to be quiet today because we got some conversations that need to be had. I'm Listen, I say it all the time that I'm excited because I really, when I have an opportunity to bring somebody on the show, it's somebody who that I admire, it's somebody who I'm inspired by, who has a story that I really want to share with all of you. So I'm super excited, as I always say, about this one. This is one of my partners from way back in the day. I mean, Gates Elementary back in the day. So I'm excited about this episode. And you know what we do here, the most dangerous podcast in the land because we're taking the power and putting it back where it belongs. And that's in the hands of the people and the people are you. So our special guest today is none other than Walter Perry Sr. He is the CEO of uh, Suit Up World. He's a community and political activist and he's a young man with an amazing journey. I'm kind of upset because me and him are the same age, but he looks so much younger than me. He was teasing me about all the gray on my chin. So, you know, I'm gonna let that slide. I'll cry after the show. I'm not gonna cry during the show. <laughs> but obviously I'm gonna ask y'all to do what you do. Um, go to the YouTube channel, hit the like, hit the subscribe, hit the bell so you'll be notified whenever we go live because we got great content coming. But without further ado, bring it to the stage my friend, my brother in the struggle, and my brother in the successes, Walter E. Perry, Sr., CEO of Suit Up World. How you doing, my brother? How you doing? Good morning. What's going on, man? It's good to see you, man. Good to see you looking all young and refreshed. And... <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's just early in the morning. You know, uh, yeah. I'm very happy to be here. Uh, first of all, congratulations on 100 episodes. Thank you, sir. Bro, you. I mean... I don't see how you got the time to do it. It's a lot going on. I know you got your son. Yeah. It's a tremendous honor and privilege to be on your show. And I'm glad you got me on here. Oh, man. I I was glad, you know, I didn't even know you was aware of the show, man. So I was really, really proud that, that uh, you know, that you were checking me out, man. Because, you know, we all been checking you out. And you are definitely. Uh... So I want to give you an opportunity to kind of introduce yourself. I gave a short intro. But, you know. I'm gonna give you a chance. This brother uh, just got married recently. Congratulations, you know, just uh, seeing all the pictures, man, and seeing the happiness and joy. And us as black men, we deserve joy. We deserve peace. We deserve love, man. So I, I love seeing it, man. So go ahead and, and introduce yourself a little bit. Then I'll tell a little bit about how far we go back. Uh, yeah, for those who don't know me, my name is Walter Perry. Uh, I run the pseudo program. Start the program about 10 years ago. We started on the east side of San Antonio, uh, helping the young kids uh, find clothes and suits 
for work and school. We also mentored, uh, we developed a curriculum that was specifically tailored towards the kids on the east side over time. We've grown, we worked with uh, the juvenile probation, we worked with Judson ISD. Uh, we worked with numerous, numerous counties and we've suited up, I say over the last 10 years, maybe about 5,000 kids. Uh, it should have been a lot more, but you know, resources uh, were not there at times, but uh, we were greatly, greatly blessed to be able to be around the young people and to influence them. And so the pseudo program is something that is near and dear to my heart. It's near and dear to our community. And we made a, a bigger commitment by becoming suit up the world. Uh, we are going to, ex we've expanded uh, not only our services, but our location. Uh, we have a location down near uh, Padre Island now that, so that the young kids can come down if they want to fish. Yeah, if you want to come down and fish, adults, parents, uh, get in contact with me and we will uh, make that happen soon. So I'll, I'll get that detail out later. But we also want to expand beyond the borders of the U.S. And so we'll get into that later. So when I say suit up the world, I really mean it. So suit up the world. Right. <laughs> I'm talking about y'all see it down in the ticker. That's his Facebook, his Instagram and the website, man. So make sure y'all go follow, check them out. Uh, check out the website and get connected because uh, none of us are island. We can't do this on our own. So donations of all kinds are gladly, gladly accepted. You know, we want to make sure that uh, we come together so we can suit up the world. I'm excited about that. Now, all of the professional and good stuff, man. So, so me and me and my brother go back second grade, man. Gates Elementary, man, and. Uh, it was what what was our little cruise? Me, you, Terry Battle, Ronnie Caesar, Dietrich uh, Williams. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Fat Daddy. Fat uh, Daddy, yeah, man. Uh, Buck. Buck. Uh well, second grade, I, I didn't meet Buck until fifth grade. Yeah, Buck, yeah, Buck didn't come over the gates till fifth yeah, grade. Yeah, he was at Cameron. He was yeah. yeah. Yeah, Buck. he came over and stole all the girls. We was all mad. <laughs> Couldn't read though. So it didn't matter. <laughs> I had to read for them. I had to read all the love letters. <laughs> <laughs> I had to write the love letters for them. So. Doug, we love you, bro. We love you, man. No. <laughs> Say, man. Okay, so I'm, so we go way, way back, man. But this brother in high school, I was dating a young lady named Tristar, and she used to get her hair done up man and i had i had buck teeth i had got my braces yet oh my this God. brother called me be, called us beaver and weaver <laughs> how do y'all remember this stuff <laughs> so i never forgot that man i, I wasn't oh, mad but it was so funny <laughs> somebody else told me i gave them a name that stuck with them i was like Man, I don't, I don't know how y'all remember this stuff. <laughs> I would say whatever back then. Yeah, you were just coming <laughs> off the top of the head. But I will say, um, so I think it was about maybe 12, 13 years ago. I saw you. You were working with a company, a moving company, I believe. And I saw you on Randolph Air Force Base. And it had been years since we had seen each other. Yeah. And uh, I remember how excited we both were. We didn't have a lot of time to chop it up, man. Right. Right. And from that point on, man, and we're gonna get into your whole story, but from that point on, man, I mean, I know it's been tough, but 
watching your rise has been meteoric, man. You just, man, you got the hustle going, man. I'm proud to know you, man. I'm proud that we we come from these same streets and we growing up and doing grown man stuff and not all the foolishness, man, because Lord knows we we were involved and surrounded by plenty of it. <laughs> Let me tell you, man. Uh, first of all, I just want to say, man, I'm proud of what you're doing. Uh, from the time we met in elementary school to the time I saw you on Randolph, and man, I was a hardworking man then. You saw I was doing the moving thing. You know, moving is not easy, no. especially moving military folks. Yeah, so y'all the most difficult people. Y'all the most difficult customers I ran into. Yeah, cause y'all do everything for us. We <laughs> be No, y'all ain't even paying for it, but y'all act like y'all paying for it. I'm like, y'all ain't paying for it, but we don't want <laughs> you to scratch nothing. We want everything. Right. You trying to you trying to make insurance claims on damages? Come on, it's uh, uh, military people. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, man. When uh, I saw you, you know, I was proud because at that time. I only thing I knew was a lot of my friends would get killed or going to yeah. prison. So to run into somebody who I, I not only grew up with, but we went through the levels of uh, grade school and high school to see mm -hmm. you actually doing something and actually got rank up in there, bro. That was that's inspiring. That was the same thing when I saw Jerry when he was in the Navy when he came. Yeah, home. man. It, it's it, it's it's a few people that I've ran into from our generation that. I'm very proud of him. And even though we may not talk on a daily basis, you know, I follow you guys from, from time to time. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very aware of, not all, but I'm pretty aware of a lot of my friends that I've grown up with. I pretty much know kind of what y'all doing. Yeah, man. So it's a gift and a curse with the social media. Like we get to stay in touch, but I think we kind of forget that it's been a long time and we don't really connect like we should. But right. you know, it, it, it's a gift and a curse. We it's on me to do better. You know, I mean, I've been I've been seeing people's kids and I'm like, yeah, I feel like that's my little niece, and my little nephew, and realize I ain't never met the child in person. Yeah. <laughs> I already like you know I already hold hold that that much regard as far as people keeping in touch even on social media because what I found out these last couple of years, everybody's lives are not as easy as you think they are. Man, so, come on. Social media, you already know, you know, it's 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 it shows you one thing, but reality shows you something else. And I had to learn that. You know, I spent so much time on social media that my reality was falling apart. Yep. And so once I got off social media and went back to my reality then I started putting things in, uh, into perspective. And then you started saying like, wait, hold on, this been going on? This been going on? Where yeah. have I been? You been on the damn computer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> damn social media. Like this been falling apart. So I got off and one of the best things you can do, and I'm talking to your audience, I'm talking to you. One of the best things you guys can do is get the hell off of social media and purge yourselves of that attention. Don't worry about who liking what, and and, and I know y'all see me posting now because now I'm in a space where I can post something and it's not about me. And it's not just about my thoughts and my opinions. Like go through my posts in the last few months. It's it's nothing political, it's nothing, nothing divisive. It's all about family, it's all about love now because I've learned my lesson through that social media that when you have an opinion, it, it shapes the world around you, especially if you have a platform like which I had on numerous occasions and I had the opportunity 
to bring people together through social media. And I did, but there were often times where I let my ego and thinking that I was more powerful on social media than I was in real life. Uh, I let that get in the way of what was really at hand. And bro, it cost me a lot of stuff. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm a person who like, I'm a very introspective person, yeah. but I live in reality too. There were some things that I could have done on that campaign run that I look back on that I said, man, I should have just did this and I know it would have turned this way, or I shouldn't have said this, but I stand on everything I said. I stand on the way that I ran. Mm -hmm. I stand on everything. You know why? Because I broke a barrier that nobody could crack. They were saying, oh, Walter, you got a felony. You can't even run. But when you know how to read, that Gates Elementary reading, <laughs> reading is fundamental. Reading is fundamental. And when you go in and you actually read and you can decipher and discern the, the, the meaning behind the words, you go, wait a minute, hold on. And so it wasn't the fact that uh, I wasn't good enough of a candidate to win. There were a lot of there were a lot of there were a lot of things that were against me at the beginning. Just me getting on the ballot. I had to sit on I had to sit on the phone with the uh, city attorneys for two hours, going back and forth why I'm legally able to get on the ballot when they told me I couldn't even get on. So that was because the opposition started calling in. So from from that point on, I should have known already, right. which I did. But mm -hmm. When you're just jumping into something new, it, the best way to find out is just to go through. And so I'm very proud of the way I ran. There were no scandals. They didn't find anything going on with no impropriety with, with my money. And everything was accounted for. I ran twice. And so I'm very proud of, of the way I ran and how I ran. Too. And I everything that I said. Yeah. So, so that's a great segue, man. That's kind of where we wanted to get into, man. Um, I want to ask you, like, how did you get into politics and community activism and suit up the world and all of these things? Man, the politic thing started as a child when you were in school, you Come on, man. Whoever was the funniest, whoever brought candy and Kool-Aid, whoever was the cutest, whoever can fight the best, and uh, whoever was the fastest. Come yep. on, man, that was politics. All of that. All of that. So... When you learn from a young age how to be popular and, and how to be in the popular crowd, because I've always been popular since, since I've been young. Yeah. But, you know, and so, it, 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 and it wasn't always like, oh, yeah, Watts is bad. No, it, like I was popular for all the right reasons. But through, through experience outside of school, you know, it shaped the way that I was living. And then you put in the gang culture, which, mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't born into that. You know, but I had to navigate around it and I ended up being a part of it. Um, but the political part, even in that, in the games, it's about who wants to be the leader, who wants to be the most influential. That's politics. Then I go to prison. I deal with politics in there, dealing with, you know, who wants to be in charge. And politics is always about who wants to be in charge, who wants to run stuff. So I started thinking uh, when I got out here, wow. The only way I'll be able to change something is if I become a part of it. So that's what led me to go, let me look at the city charter and let me just see if they got some flaws in there. So I would just randomly, just, just one day I'd say, let me get the charter. So I started reading it. Then I said, oh, 
wow, this happened. And then I seen a dude run from out of Austin who mm-hmm. had a murder case uh, in Texas. And he ran. Uh, Conway. His last name is Conway. Yes. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> I have a story about that, too. And so <laughs> when I saw him, that inspired me to go, man, let me look deeper into the charter again. And so when I looked inside our city charter, I saw the loophole. And so I said, well, man, I'm just go ahead and just put my name in there. And so at this time, John, it was 13 of us. And I sat down here with this team and I said, hey, y'all, I see everybody got concerns, but we can't change nothing. We've been to these rallies. We've been to these meetings. Yep. Can't do nothing. The only way to do it is if we go run for office. All of us are going to school. We're all smart. We got degrees. Why aren't we doing more of what we're doing? So it was a matter of motivating the people around me to like do stuff. And so I ended up running because the position became open. The crews left it open. Yeah. I was like, you know what? Let me just jump in here and see what's up. So that's what kind of like led me down there. But my goal wasn't to become city councilman. I mean, if it happened, I was going to be the best city councilman ever. And to this day, I still feel like, uh, I'm the best person for that job because I really can tap into what's going on. With him. So, I mean, they picked who they picked and it seems like he's doing a good job. I mean, I don't really follow the politics too much anymore because I got my grandson and I got other stuff going on. I fish every day. First off, man, let me tell you that the way that you weaved politics into every level of life was poetic bro that was that was amazing man how you took it from the schoolyard to the gang to school to to jail to all of that and what you said was so fundamental there's so many opportunities that we're locked out of because we don't take time to get that information and uh it doesn't mean that we got to be in politics but to understand like something as simple as going to get a permit to throw a black party is a political action you know and you know we hire share how how's that a political action because you got to go to city council to do it oh no, yeah you, no you don't no you don't no, no you don't you just have to go get a city permit and right yeah, all you do is go down there, I think it's off of Flores. Yeah. And just walk down there and pay for the permit. Now, what you're trying to do may take a little bit more uh of a of a city council approach, but at the same time, that's not really hard when you when you have a plan. And oh, you it's say, not hard. My point is is that people think that politics don't affect them day to day. It do. It do. Yeah. It that's it all does. I'm saying. Yeah. It does. Small things that we do are, of uh, you know, so I'm just saying, like, some people be like, oh, I don't get involved with that. I'm like, well, it gets involved with you. <laughs> some things uh, yeah. don't require politics. Sometimes, right. Oh, no, like, no. Like, like, the majority of the stuff that people say you got to go through politics to get, you honestly you don't. All you have to do is research the information and pay your money. And money- I don't think what we need to do is stop making politics such a hard thing like like you said if we're in a group somewhere together and we're talking and who wants to lead who wants to do this part and do that part you know that's those are political you know concepts there we go there's right. a it ain't an action but it's a concept so yeah you know we need to understand man that 
like you said, the social part, the community needs to have a voice and we need to have people that represent what the community believes. Cause you know, with district two, historically it's been a lot of people that don't even live or attach to district two trying to swoop in. And yeah. But you know, uh, and first let me, uh, let me emphasize this. Social is also political as well. You know, yeah. like that's the other side of the politics is when it works is when people come together and, and, and things actually happens. Now district two has had its share of leadership and has also had its share of, you know, people coming in, taking yeah. sources and, and running up out of there. Everybody knows that I told them about the Primazone situation. And see, uh, that's a that's a that's a good example of how politics are mis misused and damaged of a, a potential uh revitalization for a whole community because yeah. people felt like this person deserved this, this person didn't have this because they looked this part. And, you know, I seen it close up and it was very uh, disappointing to see and experience. But in the end, like I said, until you get somebody who really cares about bringing people together, who has the, the wherewithal, who has the knowledge to be able to bring people together, but also, you know, with something I had to learn, uh, my probably my biggest downfall, and I ain't gonna call it the downfall. I think, I think the con was building up the temperament to be able to weather the storm of all types of like criticism and stuff like that. If you're asking for a position like this, you have to be strong in here. Which on, on a lot of levels, you know, I don't answer a lot of stuff, but. Over these last few years and the experience that I went through with a really ugly experience with, so, with, with, with my divorce, I had to learn that to block out a lot of stuff because nothing is permanent in this world. Things are only temporary. And so no matter what people say about you, it goes back to what I told you. When you look in that mirror, come on, man, you got to say, uh-uh, no, no, this is who I am. And so that's another thing that the SUDA program, it, it, it's, it's a program, it's a quantitative and a qualitative program. It is going to give you the, the foundation to right. not only look in the mirror and love the person uh, that you see, it's going to force you to fix and correct the things that you were running from. And it's going to cause the things that lay dormant to awaken and you're going to become a different person. That's why I say it's qualitative and it's quantitative. Yeah. You'll be able to see it and feel it. As a matter of fact, you know, we kind of talked about the political part. Let's dig more in to suit up the world, man. Let's, let, let's, let's talk about that. What was the genesis? You know, where are we at? Where are we going? The genesis started in prison. I, like, I hated it in it. But I lived the best experience that a prisoner can live in it. Okay. If that makes sense. And let me explain. Uh, I got a 12 year sentence. And as soon as I got my 12 year sentence, the first person I called was my mom. I, I was crying on the phone. I said, you know, they gave me some time. My mom told me, she said, first of all, stop that crying. And she said, the first thing I want you to do is when you get down there, sign up for truck driving or diesel mechanics. Mm. 
She said, and do this, do that, do that, do this. So she gave me a rollback to like go through prison. So as soon as I got there, I put in the request to go to college and to truck driving school. I had looked on this big old board and it was like all these trades, they all free, bro. It was like a hundred trades on there, all free. I said, no, I'm on truck driving or diesel mechanics, but I kept putting in truck driving. It took me three years. So I ended up getting on a unit that had truck driving and college. So I started taking college classes in 96 in prison. So I got my license within about six months and I was driving in there. So I was never really in there. I was in there, but I was never in there. Yeah. So when I was going to different units, my friends were seeing me and they was like, boy, well, you better suit up. So that was a, that was a prison term in there. Okay. So stay ready. Stay ready to keep from getting ready. So that always stayed in my mind. It was an old man like, suit up, suit up, youngster. It's time to suit yeah. up. So in there, when I was getting ready to like kind of, I was knew I was getting ready to come home. I sat down one day and I wrote this plan up. I said, you know, this is what I want to do. This is about this time. This is kind of what I want to do. If this happens, use this. So when I got out, I had a truck driver's license <clears throat> and I started going to college. So during that time, I had what they call adjustment issues. And mm-hmm. what, that, yeah. what that is, is when you come home, I man, I was going almost eight years. So I had to like learn girls. Like I didn't, wasn't really with girls when I got locked up. I was 17 years old, 18. So it was like, I had to learn that. So I was making mistakes with females. So it was just like, it was just really bad. And, and so I had to learn through my 20s. So I went from 17, 18 to 25 years old. Mm-hmm. So when I got out, I say from 25 to 29 was some rough years. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it came to me at a time where I was uh, I was homeless, bro. Just barely homeless. Hmm. And I needed some clothes to go to a job interview. And <clears throat> I was sitting in the bathroom and I didn't have no clothes. And uh, I started crying. And uh, I went to St. Phillips and a friend of mine, uh, you know, he just, he was like, well, well, what's going on? I said, man, I don't don't have no clothes. And they had wanted me to speak at the college. So he took me up to KNG, John Martin uh, from St. Phillips, took me up to KNG, got me a suit. And you know, it's, that right there, that moment, like woke me up and I said, suit up. Mm. So so after the speech, I started collecting clothes. Yeah. Anybody who needed clothes, I just started giving them to them. So then <clears throat> when I had got married to the previous person, uh, you know, I was just sitting there one day and I was saying, like, man, I think I found my father. She was like, What? I said, I, I think I found my dad, but I need to go research more. I said, but I started, I started this program. Well, she, she, didn't, she didn't really get it. So I went to Ivy Taylor. You know, she, she had just started council woman and all this. So I went to her, I said, hey, I started this program called Suit Up. She was like, oh my God, she was like really into it. She said, I'm gonna put you somewhere. You know, I'm gonna find you a place uh, look up some places where you can go and you can learn how to really grow. And that's how I ended up at Sage. And okay. so 
you know, my that and so so you asked about my political career and my social career, you know, there were people that were pivotal in my life where, you know, I almost gave up, but John gave me the suit. You know, I almost left my dream alone when the person you think you with don't really see it the way you see it. I I was finna walk away from that, but I'd be opening the door. It was other people who opened the door. And <clears throat> I have to tell you this because I'm starting to get a little bit choked up about it. Yeah. But my point is that I forgot about that and started, you know, thinking things was me. And social media would do that to you, would have you think, oh, yeah, this is me. It is not you. Like, there was so many people that's been instrumental in my life, like, you know, up to this point, even, uh, you know, Pastor Courtney Evans, you know, lost property, you know, that, that church was pivotal during my divorce. You know, they helped out my family a lot. You know, he even came in, you know, did my wedding. Shit. I yeah. money, you know what I'm saying? So it's like uh, so many things have happened, bro. And, you know, I've lost so much, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Also, you know, just on, on top of losing, uh, you know, I lost my house, you know, going back and forth, legal battles, you know, just 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 lost everything, bro. And just could have really just went there and mm -hmm. just but suit up. Like I told you, it's a it's a it's a quantitative and it's a qualitative because the lessons that you learn, they they it's, it's, it's lesson upon lessons. At the end, you not only get a suit, but you learn the foundations of surviving and the qualitatives. It makes you a better person. Yeah. You, you you look in the mirror, you feel good, you dress better, you smell good. You start taking uh, interest into art. You want to get a passport. You know, you want to go to college. You want to, you know, you want to raise your kids. You know, I have my kids. I have my grandson. And so they're just things that I can stand on through this program that not only brought me here, but there's still a lot more to me that I'm learning and growing into. And I know that, wow, you know, we're only given so much time. And, we're only giving so much time. Yeah. God only gives us a hundred years and I posted this. Yeah. Bro, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be 47 in November. So add it up. You know, most of that time has been spent locked up, throw it off, mentally locked up. Because even though you're not in bars, in your mind, your mind you're locked up. And a lot of us, before the pandemic was, but during the pandemic became caged up mentally and spiritually. And now, a lot of us been released. A lot now, of us free now, yeah. Yeah, but hold on. <laughs> what are you releasing yourself to? See, it's, it's, it's like you either became your, the best version of yourself or the worst part of yourself. And so mm -hmm. oh, this yeah. post epidemic, this post COVID world that we're walking into, it's about atonement and redemption. You have to atone. You have to tell yourself, I'm like, like you have to forgive yourself and, and you got to start forgiving others. Now you don't got to talk to them no more. Right. Give them. This man, I forgive that situation. Forgive me. Yeah. This is the speech he was giving me uh before we came on recording because i was asking him man you know i'm trying to i'm trying to get in that married life i've been single for so <laughs> and I'm that, better when i'm married bro man come on now 
Come on now. Horrible when I'm single. Come on. Hey, listen. <laughs> I gotta. I gotta say this, man. I've known this brother. I'm just so inspired, man. I love the fact that you're talking about your vulnerable moments and talking about you, man. So when we were in elementary school, Walter was one of the smartest kids in school, man. Like he used to be competition between me and him and a couple of other people, like who was the smartest, man. Right. But, yo. And, who uh, the most awards? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you who win the most awards. Tasha Freeman. You remember, yeah. Oh you my God. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Annie Miss Atkinson. Miss Atkinson, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> but yeah, man, you know, just, and then that's another thing too with fatherhood. Mm -hmm. If you listen to the narrative out here, it's going to shape the way that you uh, father. And so, you know, I ain't no way I'm going to come to the door like, hey, y'all, how y'all doing? Uh, I got some uh, cookies in there. Uh, I'm changing oil in the bag. It ain't going to happen like that. You know, I'm not going to be that type of father. And it's no, it's nothing against fathers that are like that, but I'm not going to be that type of father. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I'm going, I'm probably going to come to the door with my shirt off, and you know, holding my grandson. Yeah, what's up? You know, <laughs> because hey, you know that's just that just that just me. And so during this time, me as a father, I have to educate myself. I have to feel comfortable around other people, uh, whether you are a different color. And as far as people being gay and stuff like that. Man, I've been around that my whole life, man. Mm -hmm. I, I, I bust people uh, in their mouth for talking about my mama. So that whole lifestyle and stuff like that, you know, it, it doesn't make me uncomfortable. But on the flip side to that, you know, I know enough about the lifestyle to where, you know, I can I, I can go, hey, man, you know, you acting like a messy punk and you need to chill. And so people be like, why don't you don't say that? I'm like, no, 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 because there are some things in life that, you know, people have to understand if, if if you want to be treated equally, then I'm going to talk to you equally like I talk to everybody else. And so there comes a time where we all have to be mindful and respectful. Even if I don't go that way, uh, you have to be respectful and mindful of my space as a heterosexual father to not be talking like that around me as far as like down in heterosexuals or when I come in, hey, beefcake, and then nobody don't say nothing to you. And then when I do say something to you, everybody thinks that I'm the bad guy. And so as a father and as a man, you have to like stay focused on that, stand your ground, be firm. But then at the same time, you know, you check people and you move on and you don't hold that against nobody. And then every time you see somebody gay, you know what, man, last, last guy said that to me, so I'm going to treat him back. No, I treat everybody accordingly. And so you get out line with me, just like if you black, you white, you Mexican, I don't care. You get out line with me, I'm going to check you. And the same as if I get out line with you, you check me accordingly. And that's how I go. There you go. There yeah. You go. Yeah, man. But guess what, though? I'm, I'm, I am I'm want to talk about the, the, the flea circus syndrome. And this, this flea is... Flea circus syndrome. Come on, school us, bro. Okay, so for those who don't know how a flea circus is for, you know, guy, he has, he has fleas in his jar. And the fleas are jumping up and down. They jump for a time until they get tired. Once they get tired, he takes the jaw off, and then he builds he builds the circus the way that he wants to, and that's how he gets the fleas to like jump around the circus. Well, the constant the, the whole idea of this story is that the even though the lid is off and there's all this space around here, the fleas never leave that circus. 
and they attribute that to people from the neighborhood who which I, like i think are gangs and people who are who are close-minded they never leave that that vicinity and i was like that too until recently when i went uh, out of the country for the first time i had a flea circus mentality where all i thought was be beyond these borders and i was like well man if i'm gonna go somewhere i'm gonna just go go to houston they ain't nowhere you know what i'm saying and so um a lot of people get trapped in that and they end up dying never really doing anything in life and i and, and again it goes back to this you only get 100 years i didn't want to be the type of guy who who was known for going to prison running for office and losing or something always happening that those are just chapters in my life just the book is still being written and so uh the flea circus mentality which i call san antonio itis is when, <laughs> it's when you're so trapped in that city you, you that's all you think that's all you know and, and it's like you never want to go anywhere and then if you do you go to another city and all you do is sit inside the hotel room you don't do anything you mm -hmm. you, you have a trapped up mentality and i think uh in this day and age with especially with the epidemic that happened in the last two years i think that it's been heightened and a lot of people are afraid to step out of their comfort zones they're they're afraid to go out now you got some people who form businesses and done you know uh incredible things but you have a big group of people who are afraid to move forward in life and it starts with their thoughts and it starts with their emotions they don't want to move forward and that's what i mean by the flea circus uh, syndrome is that something's been built inside of them and and they can only move according to what's being built and even though all this space like in san antonio you know it's dangerous you know people are getting killed there why don't you move you have the money to move but you feel like oh i can't i can't do this i can't do that which you know that that's what you need to do but you don't do it and so i think that mentality there keeps a lot of people trapped you know what bro? uh you, you you asked me who's my biggest inspiration i'm gonna just say my grandfather okay and, and, and the reason i say that is because of the same reason why i have my grandson uh you know there were some situations where things could have went really bad and this man stepped in and i wasn't always you know there for him and you know i was the best kid but i you know he taught me enough to where now the lessons that i've learned from him I've, i'm applying to my grandson and truly 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 phenomenal of the way that things things work when you yeah. actually listen and put them to practice so my grandfather's my biggest inspiration bro man let me say something here and then i want to give you an opportunity to kind of let us know what's going to be going on in the future and uh give us some closing words before we get out of here but let me say this man you know when you were talking about like don't want to be known as somebody went to jail and for y'all that don't know man yo walter was big time gangster in the city man oh. like you know you might be fooling with him back in the 90s he was big time man oh. and um but those things aren't you know they're not negatives man they're truly inspiring to know that you as a young man you know went to prison my mom went to prison man so I, you know i know how that goes and a lot of our moms did yeah and, and and you came back 
man, and you navigated that. It wasn't just like if people read the story wrong, they think you came home and then everything was sweet. But she was like, no, nah, man, it was a whole nother four, five years where it was still a struggle. Almost, came up. almost got killed out here, bro. Yeah. And, yeah. and all of the stories, being homeless, but I'm proud of the fact that you fought enough. Even when you didn't love yourself the way you were supposed to be loving yourself, you still fought for the version of yourself that is evolving now, man. I'm proud of that young man uh, back in the day that believed. I'm proud of that young man that went through all of that that you went through. I'm proud of that young man that believed. And this young man that he'll be 47 later this year, I'll be 47 and he was messing with me because I'm gray and he not, but that's okay. I'm gonna let him. What's your birthday? December. December what? 17th. Oh boy, he's Sagittarius like me. I'm November fifth. Yeah. yeah, man. Yeah. 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 For sure. For sure, yeah. man. Where we come from, man, like, you know, we talked about Fat Daddy. We lost him back in the mid, what, 95? 95. I was in prison when I got the, was it the register or the snap? It was one of them. I got it and I seen them on there, man. I broke down crying. For broke down crying, man. <laughs> I, um, I saw him at the cameo. We was at and he had went down to Southwest Texas. So I didn't go with all Terrence and Nelson and all that. I didn't go that first year. I, you know, stayed home and got into trouble and all that. But I went back the second year. We saw him and he was talking about, I was like, yo, man, you got to come back so we can get the crew back together, man. You know, and he was like, yo, I got my financial aid. I'm working on it. My mom got it at the house and I'm going to get back. And then he got killed two days later after that, man. Yeah. Man, I was so sad because uh, Dude, he, cried, he, man. he was, he and a few people, that guy right there was mm. one of my biggest fans as far as like any joke, any, <laughs> like like any joke that I brought to him, like he pretty much laughed, like he was one of my biggest critics. Like if something wasn't funny, like that's not funny. But he, he along with, you know, you, Sean Wright, Buck, some of them, he was my biggest fan as far as like walks is the funniest like and, <laughs> and like 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 he and i he wrote me a few times when i was in prison mm-hmm. uh and you know he was he was my he was one of my first friends who knew how to drive in uh elementary yes so, yo he was driving that delta 88 in elementary he drove his daddy 18 wheeler bro he told this story about how daddy Either got tired or got drunk at and he had to drive his daddy's 18 wheeler all the way to the house. He said he says dad told him talking about how to drive it right there. Like I never forgot the story. And then I asked his mama about it and she confirmed it. And so then I saw him driving at 11 and 12. I was like, Yeah, yep, he did that. And so I like I looked up to him because in that regard, because one, he was doing stuff early but he was humble about having his car he gave you a ride yeah and he'll tell you you can't ride if he didn't like you uh but he was a right. very good friend he gave you money he he like like he, he never was that guy, man he was that guy and he, it wasn't oh. fake with him he was no, he wasn't that fake, he was he wasn't fake that at dude. all and so to see him and my friend dino uh just yeah. like a few people. I met so many people. So many people, man. And and, and uh, that's the thing about San Antonio, and that's why I had to like get up out of there, man. Because 
like I love the city. Like I will never leave as far as like my heart. I got nothing but love, nothing but love for the east side. But they on demon time right now. And until until the until the community addresses the real problem, which is the gangs, and people can talk about white folks, you can talk about you can talk about the government, uh crippling black people, you can talk about it. But gangs in San Antonio have had the biggest impact on killing black folks because they ain't stopping. When you when, when families killing families, you didn't shot my mama, you didn't shot my cousin. I'm not forgiving that. Then on top of that, it's so much murder down there and nobody is speaking up. Like killers is walking around free. Nobody's saying nothing. People shaking hands with killers. And that city is just, it needs to purge itself. And until somebody stands up, and it can't just be me, because I stood up and wrote a petition to, to shut down the hill. And then that got met with backlash. And it was only by the grace of God, nobody tried to take my life out there. But I spoke on issues, and I'm going to continue to speak on issues. I was in gangs. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I renounced gangs when I got in prison. I was not running with gangs in there when I came out. I was not running with gangs. I haven't, like, I do not associate with gang activity. That people who are my friends that I grew up with who are still gang members, I still talk to them. Like, I still be cordial, but I don't hang with them. And and, and, and they respect that. And I feel like if you my age and you still have a gang mentality, something is terribly wrong with you mentally and emotionally that you got to look in the mirror and purge that. You got to get that out your spirit because it's a very destructive and a very devastating thing to have in your life. And it's a cancer that needs to be removed out of our community. Yeah. So we can talk about community activism. We can talk about this. We can talk about that. But until the community stands up and really take control of what's going on in the community and start and start turning in these gang members for these murders and start giving closure to these families, nothing's going to change. And so community effort, takes community work, effort. working with the police to stop this. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So people don't yeah. want to work with the laws, but you want to call them when you get shot. So that ain't going to work like that. So that's why until you renounce that and you purge that, like, like, like you, you're never going to get it out the, get it out the community. And so I don't want to get killed. Uh, because somebody don't like what I'm saying. And so I would rather relocate and, you know, help the city from afar and go in and out. I still have uh, the pseudo program there in San Antonio, so I'm always in San Antonio doing my program. But, you know, through the Ready to Work uh, initiative, there's something that we work with, we partner with San Antonio. That's what's coming up. Uh, we we we've been in operation as far as that program since May. They started it, uh, but we need people to sign up and be a part of the Ready to Work initiative because they are they are paying fifteen dollars an hour for training mm-hmm. in whatever field you want. Whether you want to go get a degree, whether you want to go get a certification, the SUA program right now we give personal development and management development certifications. And what that is, personal development is again, it's atonement. And it's also renew, renewing you, putting you in a position to where you're more focused, you're more positive, and you're more proud when you're getting up going to work. And I know they got this great 
great resignation, but I think it's, I don't think it's of God when you don't work. You know, I, I think it's godly when you get up every day and you work, when you till the soil, when you get out and you earn and you get out and you provide. You just sitting around with your hands out, waiting mm. on something. No, that, that, no. that's not of God. That's that's I, I think that's of sin. And God wants you to get up every day and be proud of the work that you're doing. So we want you to be ready to work. We want we want to get you ready to work. So your mindset and your spirit has to be ready to work. And so if anybody wants to reach out to me to be a part of the pseudo program, the sessions based on character, but also on everyday life, like social media, we talk about current events and it's very organic. We don't judge you. We allow you to speak and we allow you to heal through the program. And we also give you tips and we give you tools on what you can do. And you can go to my website, www.suituptheworld.com. That's www.suituptheworld.com. If you want to reach me, you can reach me at wperry at suituptheworld.com. You can call me on my phone number, 210-620-1566. And you guys, reach out to me. We're putting together a, uh, a trip for families, a uh, fishing trip. I'm down here. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm down here in the coastal area, Rockport, Port Aransas. Very beautiful waters, good fishing, uh, very family atmosphere. I want you guys to reach out to me if you're interested in being a part of that. I'm going to be announcing that later on, probably the next few weeks, once we get the details with the hotels. So that way we can start bringing families together because what I've discovered is I've ran into men who don't even know how to fish, who've never been fishing before. I was one of those guys. And so now I fish every day. I try to fish almost every day. Humble right. flex, not flex. <laughs> so, yeah, but, but, see, but see, here's something else. When you think you lost it all, like the story of Job, Job had a woman who was in his ear telling him, well, if God really loves you, why did he let you go through that? Yeah. But if you stay focused, everything was taken away from me. Tell me, I lost all my money, lost the house, lost my vehicle, nothing at all. Cried out to God. Cried. Literally cried. I haven't I haven't recorded nothing. And I listened to it from time to time to keep me humble, but cried out. And then I just let go. Next thing I know, things started working out. Then the right woman came into my life. And then all of a sudden, things just started falling into place. And then boom, boom, boom. And so you asked me earlier, how do you find the right woman? The right woman's gonna come right to you when you get yourself right. A lot of these men don't want to cry. Bro, cry. Get it out. Now, don't be no whining dude, but cry, bro. Get it out. Think about everything that's hurting you and just cry. And I promise you, God is going to hear that. And then start working towards what you want. And that's what I had to do, bro. I kept thinking it was me. Oh, man, I could do it. I could do it. I could do it. And I couldn't. Kept sinking in this quicksand. And then I just held on my hand. I said, God, I'm sinking. I'm, I'm going under. I, I like. I need you. And there you go. He pulled me out. Said, See, I told you. He pulled me right out of there. And so when you look at scripture and you see the different stories, bro, and you apply that to your life, you go, well, you know, well, there's Job. And then there's Lazarus. Oh, there's, there's, there's John the Baptist. There's Paul. You know, you look at that and you say, well, I'm going through that, but it's just like different. 
what did they do? And so when you start seeing what they did and you see the results of the story, the world is cyclic. Time is cyclic. You know what I'm saying? It's going to go on a cycle. So, okay, let, let me apply this what, 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 what Paul said well, or did. Let me do this and then let me see if it works. Now to do it work, bro, it, it overworks. It starts being abundant. So if I can give you one word of encouragement for the people, it will be to, to hold fast to your scriptures. Do not deny the scriptures because it's power in those stories, especially with men, because a lot of those prophets are men in there and men are looking for answers. And we go searching through other men when really all we got to do is open up the book. And then you open up the book and you see the stories. Your answers are always in there. And so uh, what book would I recommend? Uh, whatever your spiritual foundation is, open it up. And yeah. just and, and just look at that. But from a worldly standpoint, bro, I think everybody should be reading uh <laughs> the Master Key System by Charles oh, yeah. yeah. The Master Key System by Charles Hano. Uh, you know, it's that it's that talking things into existence. Not only talking into existence, you're doing it and then you live in it and stuff like that. So anytime you have a difficulty, and that's why I knew when I lost everything. Let me add that to my list. Right. God, bro, God wants you to let things go so he, so you can hold on to something else. So I was holding on to all this other stuff. He's like, well, I'm trying to give you this, but you got that. So you want to keep that? I was like, no, let it go. So I let it go. It hurt. At, at times I have like jitter, like, well, I lost all this money. But God comes in and say, no, look what I gave you. And I have to look around this, this wonderful place knowing that I'm just two miles from the beach. Yeah. And, you know, like, I have to remember that. I have to, like, stand remembrance that I'm still alive and I'm still able to, like, change it. And that's what the pseudo program has done. It's evolved. It's, 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 it's become more uh, of a ministry because that's what my life is. It's always been a ministry. And, you know, I really, really appreciate the examples that's been set for me because uh, I wouldn't be here if people didn't take the time to go, watch you doing that wrong, or <laughs> hey, bro, here's an extra, you know, here's a, here's some extra fries, man. So you ain't gotta, you know, rob the, you know, rob the McDonald's. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So 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 John, you know, I just want to thank you for, you know, you caught the help myself podcast. This is not only help myself. I hope that our our discussion today has helped somebody else and. Oh, I guarantee it has. I guarantee I'm just, it has. I'm, I'm just really humbled to be a part of this, and you know, anything that I can do to some uh, to help somebody, I'm still here. I'm still in the community. And you ask, will I ever run again? Yeah, but this time, you know, I have to have some checks already in hand. Uh, I know that's right. I'm not using my money again, bro. <laughs> I ain't gonna have no more. But uh, never say never. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it just it's all in God's plan and whatever he has for me. Like I say, I only I only accept the assignments. You know what I'm saying? I don't there you go. You be like, man, you did a lot, but I'll be like, I, I, I don't I don't care. You know, it's just you did what you're supposed to do. That's what I'm talking exactly. about. Exactly. And 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 that's all, bro. I just try to stay humble. Yeah. For sure. For sure, man. Man, I appreciate you for taking some time out your day to share with us, man, <laughs> and to break bread and got me some recommendations man and we definitely want um 
I'm going to put that information when I'm plugging it uh, to contact him. But as you've been seeing on the ticker, his Facebook, Instagram, and the website are there. So make sure you reach out. Make sure you get in touch with this brother and uh, support <laughs> the movement to suit up the world.